0: Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, this is part number two hundred and thirty. That just sounds funny to me every time I use two hundred numbers. Uh, we're in First John chapter three. We've been working through the New Testament for four and a half years now, a chapter at a time. We're um, we're making great progress because we're heading towards the end. We got two more chapters after this one in First John. Second John is one chapter. Third John is one chapter. And then we're into Revelation. So September, we ought to be in Revelation. Uh, because we're going to not be here for one week during the tenting, most likely. And, and uh, I think just one week, I won't be here. So, um, so Revelation, for those of you that are interested in a study on Revelation, that'll be September. That seems to be a very interesting um, book to a lot of people. It's a fascinating study. Um, I've already started studying for it. And uh, it'll be really good. Lots of different ideas and interpretations about... Revelation, and uh, we'll we'll discuss them, and we'll read the scripture, and we'll talk about it. and That's what you should do. So, uh, and we'll be ready now because we've done the rest of the New Testament, and uh, we're in good process. Remember, we we look at the Bible in context. It's why I do it this way because I think it's one of the most important foundations you will have in your Christian walk is an understanding of the Bible in context: why it is, where it is, a, a rough idea of the chronology. Um, you know, we were discussing in our in our leadership group, our young leaders group earlier today, you know, that um, these, a lot of the things that we're reading about, that we read about that Paul wrote were happening, you know, um, not after the book of Acts, but during the book of Acts. You know, the, the, the missionary journeys were ongoing while some of these letters were taking place or, you know, there was different things in and out or why they happened or some things are happening at the same time and thoughts and ideas are running concurrently. And so um, sometimes we read the book of the Bible, and we sort of think that um, they're written this way, and we would write a book chronologically, so when you read the Bible from the beginning to end, you think this is the order of events, but the Bible's not like that. Um, there's different stories inter- interweaving throughout time, so even back in the Old Testament, when you're reading Chronicles and Kings, these are often concurrent, things are happening, and stories are interwoven, and Job is in there all of a sudden, and he could have happened, that, that story could actually happen pre-Genesis, um, so there 's just a lot of different things to look for in in the process so um, but now we know with john that we 're we 're well into it um, in, in this this letter. This is somewhere between eighty five and ninety five a d um, so uh, there's there 's lots of things you know that have happened in the church, lots of persecution has taken place, and um, the church is dealing with a lot of false prophets uh, and and so um, false teachings and all of that 's in this whole thing, John comes along, he starts to deal with that, but he 's really kind of writing this letter to just normal Christians like us, if you could define us as normal, but uh, you know just the day to day sort of people that are walking this thing out in Christ, and as we get into the third chapter of first John, um, what he the point that he 's really going to be making here is that the Christian life involves growth and that we 're all in process. Um, and we have to deal with the issue. So a lot of people think, uh, and it still happens today, that that when you come to know Christ, then all of a sudden, because the Bible says you're a new creation, which is true, then all of the mess that we should have been dealing with should be just taken care of, and we should be this, we're a new creation, so we have to deal with that. The problem is, the, the old way of doing things... Um, is still part of our mindset and part of the things that we deal with. And those all don't get immediately changed. They change over time. And so we we are a new creation in one sense, in Christ, born again, brand new. But but now we have to deal with some of the old stuff that doesn't immediately get changed when when we come to know Jesus. Um, What does happen is we now have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us get set free from the stuff that used to keep us in bondage we no longer have to be in bondage or slavery to sin Um, but because of the way that we've moved through life a lot of times we are still um, choosing to sin rather than um, to continue to walk in god's way and it's a process that we're walking through and we're in growth so we'll talk about that in this this chapter let me read first john uh, three to you uh, 24 verses. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can read in whatever translation you have, or you can. Uh, th- it should be in the notes, but it says this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we should be like Him. We shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he is born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends if our hearts, do not condemn us. We have confidence before God. And receive from Him anything we ask, because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, pretty interesting passage of Scripture, and I want to talk about a few of those ideas today. So... First John chapter 3, those first seven verses, um, the life that we have in Christ, I said this in the, in the introduction, it's a process, uh, and it's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Um, that, that That's, you know, he's our model, we've talked about that for life and ministry, and so we, we, we look to how he lived as that model for the, you know, what humanity, God... Jesus is humanity as God always intended it to be. And so we look to him to see how he did it. We talk about that all the time, like thinking like he thinks and seeing like he sees and, and serving like he serves and loving like he loves. And and so this is the process that we're in, that the Holy Spirit is taking us through. The process is actually called sanctification. And it's a growth process that happens over time uh, as as we continually yield to the Spirit. Now, um, when you read that chapter, you might get confused about some things that's said there. And, and I want you to know that there's a difference between committing a sin and continuing to sin. And I want to make sure you, you, you hear the difference, because it sounds like John might be saying that if anybody... Well, you can't be of God if you sin, and obviously we all still sin, so, so we would have an issue because we have a problem. The difference is this. When, when a believer, when a follower of Christ sins, we can repent, confess, and find forgiveness. I've talked about this process a lot. I talk about it all the time because I want to make sure you understand it. It's always wrapped up in that process. We talk about living by trying to do the next right thing. That's what our hope is. That's what our heart is. Um, And, you know, when I stand up here before you, I can honestly say my desire every day is to live for Jesus. And I want to do it better than I did the day before. Some days that works out and some days it doesn't um, because sometimes I fall far, far short of where I would like to be. But that's not my heart. And, and I know that when I do um, sin, I have uh, absolute confidence that I can go running to the Father and that He will always receive me and He will always love me. And when I confess my sin to Him, and I've told you this before, confession means not just saying I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Confession means, God, you were right. I was wrong. Your word is right. My way was wrong. It's an act of of actively understanding why you did what you did and desiring not to do that with God. And that he forgives us in the process. Brand new start. Off you go. I love you, my child. Go and do the next right thing. And I'll empower you by the Spirit to do it. And we have every opportunity to do it. But sometimes because we're broken, we will still choose to do the wrong thing. And then when we see that, we go running back to God. It's not something that we take advantage of or that we take for granted that's not the right heart. And that's the difference between someone as a believer who commits a sin and someone who continues to sin. Because what that means is they are not repentant for what they're doing. They're not sorry for what they're doing. They never take it to God in repentance or in confession and so they don't find forgiveness in the process. And when you're stuck in that, you are in opposition to God. That's a significant difference between the, the two ideas of committing a sin and continuing to sin. The continuing means, God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want. And when you get stuck in that, that's, a, that's an issue. All right? That, that we, we need to work in because that's pride and it gets us in opposition to God. And so that's the importance of living by trying to do the next right thing. And he's trying to talk to believers now who have known, known Christ and they know that they're new and they know that they have the Spirit and they know that something's changed and yet they, they freak out because they sometimes still sin. And he's telling them, listen, that's, that's, that's part of the process. When we have an advocate with the Father, you go and ask for forgiveness. Never take that for granted. But never get into that spot. If you're in a spot where you think, I don't care what God wants, I sort of want to do what I want anyway and maybe get a little coverage, that's an issue that's keeping you separated from the relationship that you can have with God. And so, um, you know, he's not looking for us to be perfect because we can't be. He's looking for our hearts that desire to live this thing out for him. Um, you know, that I talked about that. That's Righteousness is getting right with God in Christ and then living by trying to do the next right thing. That's sort of what we're looking at. But significant difference between committing a sin because of, you know, our brokenness and our bad choices and continuing to sin without any sort of care uh, about what God says about it or what the Word says about it. That's the difference in those things. Then, he goes on and, and starts to help us in the process, verses 8 through 13. See, so all of us have areas where, where um, temptation seems to be stronger uh, and where perhaps habits are harder to conquer. And these differ from person to person some people might struggle in an area and for another person it's not a struggle at all and other people you know struggle tremendously you know in in those areas and so you know if if you struggle with something that's not a struggle for me i go well you should be able to get over that but i have my own struggles and so we all have these things that that we absolutely have to deal with and we have a very real enemy who sort of seems to know what our weaknesses are and that's where he kind of presses in the attack and and, uh there is an attack because we have a very real enemy who doesn't want us to experience the full and abundant life that we have in Christ. 1 Peter five eight nine. 9, Peter gives us this encouragement. You can write that address down and look at it later. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And so Peter tells us when when this attack comes and it'll happen, these temptations will pop up, these things will pop up, our weaknesses. He seems to try and you know wiggle into those things. Um, Peter says you need to stand against them, and that you do that by submitting to God and resisting the evil one. James four seven, um, write that down. James four seven, look at it later. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So so we submit. To God and resist the evil one. That's, there's sort of two little spots to that. Um, how do we submit to God? Uh, James 4 6, write that down. He gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so part of submitting to God, this idea of submitting to God, requires humility. Um, and, and having a humble and submissive heart is a, it's a choice. We make we choose to um, live God's way and live by God's plan and to understand that when we choose not to do that and I talked about that earlier that's pride and pride gets in the way of our of the life that we can have in Jesus there's a proverb about this proverbs three five through eight it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil, and this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So we submit to God. We we understand that His way is better than our way, that He's right, His word is right, and that and it needs to be uh, um, helping us in the choices that we make. So we submit to Him. We come in humility before God and say, God, I want to do it your way. And then we resist the enemy. Uh, in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. We resist. God will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And, and I've got another verse I want to read to you. But I, if you remember, I've taught this before. Um, it's at this point, um, when you're being tempted, that there's a very important prayer that you should know. Uh, and uh, I've taught this prayer to you, and and I want you to, to see if you know. This is the prayer. You know what prayer I'm, I think you should pray there? Help. Help. Oh, you guys got that. I'm so happy. Help. Help. I, I have all sorts of ways of saying that. But I'll say, and you people always allow you know I do when I'm when I'm at that spot when I'm engaged and I realize that I'm about to do something that I know I really shouldn't do and it's a temptation and it's there before me. Just just shouting that out usually gets me rethinking. Help. It's it's it is perhaps what's one of the most powerful prayers you can have in your arsenal. Help, and he does. And and here's this verse: Second Corinthians ten three through five. Because he's, see, we, that help, is, I think it's submitting, and I think it's a realization that we're not in this thing all alone, and that, that we're not having to stand in our own strength. He wants to, he'll give us everything we need to stand and, and make the right choice. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we live in the world, we don't wage world, uh, war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. A stronghold. He defines a stronghold in verse 5. We dem- these arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, we cry out help and now we know that He's with us and for us and whatever that stuff that's coming against us, it's not good. We go, we take it captive. We, we don't have to listen to it. It's garbage. We Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we, we break that off of us. We don't have to deal with that. We don't have to listen to it. We take it captive in a way that it's gone and we don't deal with it any longer. And so so we have that sort of there in the middle of John, uh, 1 John 3 um, and, and the idea about, uh, you know, not giving way to the temptations we have. That, that even though we already discussed the fact that, that when we do mess up, we can be forgiven. You have to know that going in. At the same time, we don't want to continually... Uh, do things that aren't what we should do um, because that's not the life that we need to have. So, so there's a process that he gives us to help us through the things, so we don't continually fall back into the same patterns. And then um, at the end of John, the last, the last verse is there, um, talks about the importance of love as believers and that real love, see, is it's an action. Um, we Culturally, we kind of take love and we often make it a feeling Oh, love's a feeling. And, and certainly there's feeling in love, but it's not, it's not all feeling. Um, it's, it's an action. Um, it's, it's, and the reason we know that is that God commands us to love and he can't command feeling. It's just not, you can't take, you know, feel happy. You ever tried that to somebody? that it doesn't work. You ever told somebody that's not happy? Be happy. And, and, and hope that it works? Just be happy. They wrote a song. Don't worry, be happy. It doesn't work. You can't command a feeling. It's like when you have little kids and they're crying, you tell them stop crying. It doesn't it never works. You have to bribe them with something else. <laughs> when God and He commands us to love one another. So He's not commanding a feeling, he's commanding an action. And and we have to understand that about love that love is far more than a feeling. In our culture, you know, all the songs and everything, all the love songs are all about I was I felt in love and then I didn't feel it anymore. It's an action, it's a commitment, it's a choice. And and so our love for people, other people, is evidence that this love of God is starting to make a difference in our lives. And and so remember, we're, we're to love God to all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We just did a whole series on that. And we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, here in, in 1 John 3, in verse 14, it says, "...we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death." One of the ways we know that things are changing in us in Christ is that we have a love for other people that we didn't used to have. So we, see, we, we have this thought that, that when what he's trying to get away with is that we, if we're really in Christ, then we're going to be living this thing out perfectly, and, and, and that's what people are looking for when we're not doing that. But what we have is a love that's real for people and that extends beyond us. Uh, in John wrote in John chapter 13 of the, the, the Gospel of John, 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. In that, in those two little verses, that idea is repeated three times. Love one another. He says, this is the way people know you're my disciples. That you love one another. How we love. And so this is a very big deal. And and one of the ways that we can do that, a good way to start doing that, and I, I know we've talked about this concept before, but it's... it's um, it's known as the golden rule, right? Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And, and I've talked about that in detail um, in the past, but I just like bringing that up. Um, this is how we're, we're to treat others the way we want to be treated. Culturally, generally what happens is we treat people how they treat us. That's the, that's the cultural dynamic. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, we reciprocate what we get. So, so if you treat me nice, I'll treat you nice. Uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours is sort of the, the idiom for that. Um, but in the kingdom of God, that's not the thing that we're under. Uh, in the kingdom of God, I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. How you treat me isn't, doesn't, isn't the deal. How you treat me is between you and God so my my whole thing our whole thing in this idea is that we're going to treat people the way we want to be treated so you think in every situation how would you like to be treated that's how you treat people regardless of what's coming back at you now I say that that doesn't set you up to be in an abusive situation at all you have boundaries to make sure that that's not happening but, but if somebody treats me badly and I just treat them badly back I'm no different than anybody else but if I treat them the way I want to be treated it changes things it, 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 it absolutely makes a difference because some, you know, we have to get beneath the surface. A lot of times, people treat you badly because of their mess and their brokenness and how they've been treated, and and so if you can not reciprocate that and go with something completely different, sometimes you can absolutely un, you can stop it. Have you ever had experiences where someone's been really unhappy to you, uh, not very nice to you, like you know, um, like, like I, I, you know, I always talk about Winn Dixie. Uh, um, because I get a lot of sermon illustrations there. But have you ever gone like to a, a, a cashier at Winn-Dixie who's having a bad day, and they you you sort of catch an, a, a little vibe, um, and if you just and I and, and I think it just feeds it. And a lot of times, people are mean right back, if you undo it, if you totally don't buy into that, and you just treat whoever that is the way you would like to be treated. How are you today? How can I help? Looks like a hard day. Make conversation, whatever. Oftentimes, I'll, you'll watch it completely undo people because it's not what they're expecting. And, 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 and so, see, there's, 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 it's powerful to treat people the way we want to be treated, kind to people. Um, and, and, you know, we'd love for them to be kind back, but like we're going to be kind whatever. We're going to treat them well regardless of how they treat us. And that's a big deal in this whole process and it's part of that whole thing about loving others well. Anyway, that's enough. I gave you quite a bit of stuff in a very short period of time. So read through that. We'll do chapter four next week. That's good for um, video. If you're watching by TV or on television, or TV and television, same word, on the computer or on television, thank you. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, come and visit us sometime. We'd love to see you here, but that's good for today.